You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is Ron Bachman. You're on America's Web Radio, and this is a program called Healthcare Insight. We've been talking mainly in this program over the last number of months about health insurance reform. The assumption, of course, was that the um, election was coming up this year and that health care is a major issue that was on everybody's mind. So I thought after the primary started, we'd get into the debate and topic of national health reform, something to replace Obamacare, to improve Obamacare, to change Obamacare, have a fight between Republicans and Democrats on which way to go, government control or private market. But then the coronavirus hit. And so the last several weeks, we focused on the coronavirus, as has everybody else. But I hope if you've been listening to this program that you enjoyed uh, the interview we had with uh, Dr. Price a couple weeks ago. And then last week, I spent some time thinking about what's the future going to look like when we come out of this? What's the impact going to be on various businesses, doctors and hospitals and manufacturing and government control and restaurants and schools, everything else. We try to take a step back and say, where else is going? Well, as you know, by now, or if you're listening to us on podcasts, we've come through the worst of the uh, virus and are kind of on the downside. And a lot of states are starting to open up their economies. A lot of debate about that. A lot of people who are very risk averse don't want to open up the markets don't want to get us back to work. They are more afraid about the uh, death. Uh, many of those folks have incomes other than working income. And the people who are really being hurt, of course, are the people who are the um, restaurant uh, waitresses and waiters, uh, blue-collar workers who are out of jobs. Uh, manufacturing has been shut down. Uh, mom-and-pop stores on the, gross, on the small grocery stores. Um, laundromats, um, dry cleaners, all those kind of businesses that are just the middle America have been hurt a lot. So I think opening up this economy or at least trying to open it up and figure out how we can do that effectively is going to be a great experiment. But I think that we're going to find that um, it works if we take precautions over the next several months until either some better therapies or a vaccine is developed. So as this kind of settles down, I know there's more to talk about and everybody watches or many people are watching the um, uh, daily press briefings by the president and all of the experts. We've we've come to uh, know Dr. Fauci and uh, uh, Dr. Burks pretty intimately and what they do and how they're able to describe it. And the press has been trying to find ways to wedge in between some of those relationships on the um, coronavirus task force and differences between the experts and President Trump. It's kind of been a daily ongoing um, soap opera in many ways to see um, how many times the press can try to create a question that is controversial or how the president can fight back and and target and bicker with the uh, media. So it's kind of interesting television in some ways and also informative. 
but I think Trump likes that. I think he he misses being on TV and a public guy and thinks he does a really good job. So that's great. We're getting information and it's also entertaining. So what I want to do this week is return to the idea and lay out some foundations for health reform. I want to talk about a concept that I've been working on. And the concept I call the secrets of health insurance reform with a subtitle, Helping the Sickest Among Us. Now, if we want to discover the secrets about health insurance reform, I want to go through some concepts and show you how it could be, how it should be, and how people could really just understand these secrets about what's going on behind the scenes, get some information and knowledge that they can take action. They have got more power than they think. And certainly ideas have power, but if ideas are picked up and known to more people, it's sort of like a snowball uh, gathering steam that goes downhill. So if you've been listening to this program, it's because you know it's time to get real about health reform. In fact, this whole coronavirus situation tells us, it makes us more aware that our life and the lives of our families may very well be at stake. So let's talk reality. Republicans have not agreed on health reform, and Democrats have failed with Obamacare. You as listeners out there don't want more empty political promises or bumper sticker slogans. You want solutions now. I know for some of you who may not know me, I probably should list out my credentials each time I'm on this program, but you can find that on America's Web Radio uh, website. Let me just say that I worked in and consulted with all the major players over the last 50 years, believe it or not. I worked in the halls of Congress at the state and federal levels. I've testified in over 30 states presented multiple times before congressional panels, provided expert advice to federal and state agencies, and helped pass legislation by both Republicans and Democrats at the state and federal levels. I know the arguments that are used for delay, deny, and defeat, and that the vested establishment interests have been using all that against you, out there, the general public. So I want to help you know the forces that are against you and what you can do about it. I want to cut through the BS of politicians and insurance companies. For many years, they confuse, they obfuscate with the question, is insurance a right or a privilege? And every time health reform comes up, that gets to be one of the questions that's thrown out there. But quite honestly, I don't care. You and I are more practical. You know you need health insurance to access health care. That's not so complicated. You need insurance now and as a protection against the future costs of medical care that you or your family 
might generate. Politicians, if you listen to them closely now, politicians will say, we need a national conversation on health care reform. They'll send out opinion surveys that are really a ruse for fundraising. Have they ever responded back to you after you sent in a fundraiser? No. If anything, you get another letter asking for money. You see, once they know you have an interest in health reform, they know to use that topic to solicit more contributions. Insurance executives will say, we listen to our customers. When was last time you spoke to an insurance CEO? Like never? They stay isolated in their large home office buildings with guards and security codes to keep people like you and me away. Just try it sometime. Walk into one of their granite edifices and ask to speak to the CEO. Watch the verbal runaround you get and the access barriers that'll suddenly go up. So are we helpless? Are we subject to the whims of the political elites and the health care industrial complex? No. Okay, in some ways we are at the mercy of elected officials and a dysfunctional insurance system, but we are not helpless. There are real solutions that can help you and your family. However, most solutions that help us work against the interests of lobbyists in the healthcare and political establishment. And there's the ones with more control today than you or I. That's why I wanted to write this article, talk about it on the radio, of knowing who your enemy is and trying to get what you want, what you need, how you can best protect your own family members. So how do we work together to get what we want rather than what some politician or insurance company thinks we need? Here's how we win. First, know what they are keeping secret from you. Knowledge is power, and you have the most powerful weapon ever created, the vote. But how can you leverage that into action? Trust me, an informed and angry voter gets political attention. Informed and committed voters scare the bejesus out of them. If you think one vote will never change the world, you are wrong. I'll give you a couple of examples. In 2010, Obamacare was passed by one vote from a dead person, nevertheless. Yes, Ted Kennedy died after being part of a Senate 60-vote filibuster-proof approval of Obamacare. Democrats needed 60 votes in order to pass it because there were no Republicans who were voting for it. He was replaced after he died by Scott Brown from Massachusetts, who ran in opposition to Obamacare. But the House of Representatives used a political trick to avoid a Senate revote because they had no longer no longer had 60 votes. They only had 59. But the House used the trick to just pass exactly what the Senate voted 
on and sent it on to the president, so it never had to go back to a conference committee to be compromised between House interests and Senate interests. The House just voted exactly what the Senate voted for, and they were able to pass it on to the president without a, a revote. So we got Obamacare by the margin of a dead man's vote. So one vote or a few votes can change the world. Think back to recent elections. John Kennedy won in 1960, supported by fewer than 9,000 disputed votes in Illinois. In 2000, George W. Bush won the presidency by 547 hanging Chad votes in Florida. Now, we all know that in 1916, Donald Trump won the presidency by winning several states by only a few thousand votes. So remember, the passage of laws, even if by one vote, can force you to buy only government-controlled insurance. They can force you to pay for insurance you don't want or need. They can increase your taxes and add penalties for noncompliance. So you may hate politics, but unfortunately that is where it all begins and ends. The thing you really hate is not politics, if you think about it but the intrusive effects of coercive politics. Now, you may get angry once you know the secrets of health reform and what is possible. And I'll describe that over the next couple of sessions, if not weeks. And I will detail out a concept that I call personalized health insurance. With personalized health insurance, you don't have to settle for what is currently offered. You can get the insurance you want. You are unique. Insurance should be personalized to your needs. So let's move forward on this concept and the explanations, and you can gain control of your health and health insurance needs. It could be a matter of life or death for you or a family member. So let's take a quick break, listen to the commercial, and we'll be right back, and I'll see you here in just a minute. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Today, we're back to talking about health insurance reform. And the topic title that we're using is The Secrets of Health Insurance Reform. And we're talking not about just helping you and your family, but how do we cover the sickest among us and any kind of health reform and make it affordable for everybody? Well, what I want to get into is a clear understanding that health reform proposals are typically very confusing on purpose. It's what I call political sleight of hand. So don't be fooled by politicians and health industry lobbyists who try to sound smart by making things complicated. 
one trick they use against us is that everybody points the finger of blame at someone else for the dysfunctional healthcare system that we're living under. Insurers blame hospitals and doctors. Hospitals blame insurers. Doctors blame lawyers. Employers blame non-compliant employees. Politicians blame other politicians. The right blames the left. The Republicans blame the Democrat. And the Democrats blame the Republicans. And so the blame game goes on and on with no solution. Another trick they use is to propose comprehensive solutions. Always be aware for any problem where a politician says we need to do comprehensive solutions. In 2019, healthcare spending represented 17.8% of our gross domestic product. An industry that large has lots of lobbyists and vested interests. They suggest comprehensive reforms that include hidden political agendas. They always want to load it up with pork barrel ideas and projects that they claim are important to actually make the comprehensive solution work. Solutions they present include so many superfluous items that everyone is against some part of a comprehensive plan. So what happens? Nothing gets done. That's the real issue when somebody proposes a comprehensive solution. The reality is they don't want to get anything done, but they want to sound good in proposing something that they know would never pass. They assume that we are too stupid to understand the details and the complications. They use industry and political shorthand and the alphabet soup of concepts within insurance, COB, CON, HDHP, CDHC, and many more to show that we just aren't smart enough. Well, I follow the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. You and I both know the difference between health insurance and health care. And while they're intertwined, health care is how one receives services from medical providers, that is doctors and hospitals, and health insurance is how one finances those medical services. Most Americans are part of the 176 million receive or access their health care through employer-sponsored health insurance or through individual health policies. If you're not one of those 128 million, then you may very well be one of the 28 million that are uninsured. Even today under Obamacare, we have 28 million people uninsured. When that was going to be the solution and the reason we passed Obamacare to begin with. We'll discuss solutions that meet the needs of the uninsured. In fact, that's a very important part of the solutions I'm going to talk about. One of the secrets there is that many people on the far left will talk about that there are 75 or 80 million uninsured and underinsured. And most people don't really understand the underinsured. So to explode on that number so that they can promote a, a Medicare for all bill. Well, whether you're insured or uninsured, we're all concerned about three major things. 
the cost of health insurance, that is the premiums. Two, coverage of pre-existing conditions. And three, our out-of-pocket costs, things that the health insurance doesn't provide for when we go and get medical care, whether it's deductibles or coinsurance or uncovered medical costs. So follow me over the next few segments as we explore solutions. I'm going to assume that those of you listening here are one of the over 200 million that are in one of four major segments. The first, large employer-sponsored plans. Two, small employer-sponsored plans, where small means basically 50 lives or fewer employees in your company. Three, individually purchased health insurance or four, you're uninsured. So you're probably in one of those four segments. Now let's find out which segment you're in if you're listening here because you may not really know. If you're in a group plan, it may be self-insured or fully insured. If you're uncertain, ask somebody in your human resources department. They'll tell you. It's not a secret. If you can't reach the human resource department right now, or if you don't know the answer, check with them later. Generally, if your company is under 50 employees, it's fully insured. So let's try to answer the following questions. Do you work for a large self-insured employer? Again, typically over 50 employees, but you could find some self-insured plans that are under 50, but generally it's over 50. And again, there's no cutoff for what's self-insured and fully insured. That's a decision made by the employer itself and the insurance company or the third-party administrator that may be processing claims. But if you're working for a large company, certainly if you're working for one that's more than 300 lives, almost certainly you're in this category of being self-insured. These companies provide employer-subsidized coverages to over 120 million persons. A self-insured group health plan is one in which the employer pays claims and uses an administrator, sometimes an insurer, but the insurer is not really acting as a risk-bearing entity. They're a third-party administrator just processing claims. And they pay the claims and provide other services like legal, actuarial, educational enrollment. But the bottom line of a self-insured employer plan, the employer is at risk for the level of actual claims. So you may be working for that. The second category is if you're working for a small, fully insured employer. And these companies provide employer-subsidized coverages to about 35 million persons. A fully insured health plan is one in which an employer pays a fixed premium to an insurance carrier for payment of claims and all other services. So it's a sort of, I'll pay you my dime and I'll get my ride. And the employer is not at risk if the claims are double what the insurance company expected. The insurance company gets a premium, a flat amount, and then they have to pay whatever the claims are, good, bad, or indifferent. So the insurer is at risk for the level of actual claims. Now, if you bought an individual policy because you're either self-employed or your employer does not offer health insurance, 
and you just went out and bought coverage on your own. Individual policies are purchased by about 15 million people, so you're not alone out there in this category. In 2019, 11.4 million people purchased individual policies through federal exchanges that offer up coverages under Obamacare. Others purchased insurance directly from insurers. They didn't go through an exchange. They bought it directly from an insurance company. The exchanges have subsidies, so if you don't qualify for subsidy, uh, you're just as well going directly to an insurance company, which may have a better product offering outside of the exchange. And the fourth category, if you're without insurance, the uninsured total 28 million in 2019, as I mentioned earlier. This group includes those who are uninsured by choice, those who can't afford existing insurance, regardless of whether it's subsidized by, by the federal government under Obamacare, and includes, most importantly in my mind, the working poor, where there may be no employer-sponsored health insurance. The key, then, is to create affordable options for more small businesses to offer and subsidize the purchase of health insurance, because most small businesses who offer today provide a good subsidy, so it makes it affordable, and it's much better to have an employer subsidy than a government subsidy that might not be there forever, that might be reduced. Now, what I want to talk about are certain areas of insurance and exclude other areas. And those plans that I want to exclude are substantially controlled and provided by the federal government. So we're not going to talk about those. Medicare, Medicaid, ultimately need reforms because they're critical to state and federal budgets. They take up a great amount of of money coming into states and the federal government. The veterans health system has long wait lines and inadequate care. It's been getting better under this administration, but it's... It's not the best way to get your care. TRICARE is military health, and a lot of people really like that, but it needs reforms. And the Children's Health Insurance Program, sometimes referred to as the CHIP plan, they all need reform and added flexibilities to improve coverage and patient care. We can deal with those government programs later, but let's set set aside, put in a parking lot, is one concept that people use. Let's put those aside We'll come back to those at another time and talk about the reforms that are needed there. So what we want to talk about is mainly those 200 million plus people in the private market that really need uh, health reform, something better and different than the current system with Obamacare. Now remember, Medicare, it gets confusing, but Medicare is insurance for people 65 and older, and it's running out of money. The baby boomers are overwhelming the Medicare system. The coverage is so inadequate that many have to purchase expensive Medicare supplement policies. Medicaid, which sounds very much like Medicare to the general public, but Medicaid is insurance for the poor, mostly. There are some other aspects for the aged, blind, disabled, and convalescent care. But it's too expensive and fraught with fraud. Payments to care providers is so low that many doctors do not accept Medicaid patients. So you may have a card, but you can't get real health care. Solutions to government-controlled programs are difficult. We set those aside because significant lobbying interests and resistance from special interest constituents makes it almost impossible to deal rationally with them. Any reforms proposed are typically distorted as hurting the poor, 
and throwing grandmother off the cliff. We've seen those commercials. So let's set aside those for separate action and focus on those 200 million Americans getting health insurance in the private market. So there are four programs, four segments that we want to talk about in this program. Large employer-sponsored plans are a lot of health reforms that can help them. Small employer-sponsored plans, significant amount of change can help them. Large employers have got a lot of advantages because they can actually, if they're self-insured, avoid a lot of the Obamacare requirements. But they could use some help. But small employer plans are really where the action needs to take place, as well as individual policies. The small group and individual policies kind of go hand-in-hand in any rational solution to actually make affordable health insurance available to more people. And then, of course, as we've mentioned, the uninsured, another 28 million. If we can make those either affordable through an employer plan or more affordable as individual policies, we can have a big impact on lowering, if not eliminating, those 28 million people who are uninsured. So focusing on the private market alone, something I call personalized health insurance will work for what you and your family are concerned about. Let's stop here. Let's come back, and we're going to talk more about personalized health insurance and discovering the secrets of health insurance reform. We'll be right back. This is Ron Bachman, and you've been listening to Healthcare Insight. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to Healthcare Insight. And we're talking about the secrets of health insurance reform. There's so much confusion. As we get into the political season, we get past this coronavirus, are we going to have a real rational discussion in this country about health insurance reform? It affects everybody's life, your life, my life, your family's life, my family's life. It's time we understood. And because health insurance has been confusing and we're constantly told it's confusing, we need to have a better understanding. That's why I want to have this series of programs talking about the secrets of health insurance reform so that you can make a better decision. You can use your voice, your voice and your vote to help drive 
better solutions. They are available. It's not that complicated. Don't let them keep telling you it's complicated. And I want to show you how it's not complicated. But I also want to talk about and wrap up this idea of don't let them fool you. We can't go back to pre-Obamacare either. We can't have Obamacare and we can't go back to pre-Obamacare. You and I know that that was a bad system. What you may not know is that the laws and regulations were mostly written by insurance industry lawyers. And we don't want to revert to that system. We can't let insurance industry lobbyists write the laws post-Obamacare. We'll only get shafted a second time. And I'll tell you right now that if the healthcare lobbyists have their way in any reform, and consumers will be powerless when seeking to purchase coverage. You won't have any choices. You may get stuck with premiums that are too high. You not really have a voice. Also, insurance would restrict which providers and services patients could access. So you won't have your choice of doctors. The cost and quality information will be hidden from us. We won't know what we're getting and what the costs are. All these things are there today, and they'll stay in place if we let the lobbyists in the insurance industry write the laws. Individual consumers will have no power to negotiate premiums or understand why they're rejected for coverage if there's any underwriting implemented and we go back to some system we had of underwriting and risk selection by the insurance companies, which will cherry pick and take only the healthy lives. A few powerful insurers would limit consumer coverages, provider alternatives, plan choices, limit innovation, and there'd be no pricing competition. That's the kind of world we're living in today. And that's the kind of base that would be structured going forward with some minor changes here and there. But again, as a consumer, you have no power unless we change the politics of health insurance reform. Remember, you, you out there in the audience listening, are a consumer. Efficient free markets always respond to consumer demands for products and services. But we've never had a free market for health insurance, neither before Obamacare or under Obamacare. So existing vested interests will always preserve the status quo because they created it. They have a vested interest in what we have today and don't want to change. Politicians and insurers aren't working to help you or me. Now, this should not be a secret, but sometimes it's covered up so much that you don't fully understand or you think a politician is going to help you, but they not. they're not. You know they are either unable or unwilling to develop an alternative to Obamacare. 
Politicians have been claiming repeal and replace for more than 10 years now, yet nothing gets done. Since 2002, insurers have been fighting against health savings accounts and other account-based plans that put some control in the hands of consumers. They don't want you to have any control or power. Again, that shouldn't be a secret, but it is reality. It's time to demand change that recognizes your and your family's unique needs. The concept I call personalized health insurance is a new approach to health insurance that is consumer-driven and patient-centric. You're a consumer when you're buying the product, and you're a patient when you're using the product. That's the terminology we typically use. So personalized health insurance is an approach to get the insurance you want, when you want it, at an affordable price. You and I want coverage improvements, affordability, and more options. We can't let government or insurance bureaucracies come between the patient and the provider relationship. That is the most trusted relationship in this whole dysfunctional system, the patient-provider relationship. You trust your doctor. We cannot let them, politicians and the health industrial complex, lawyers and lobbyists, set the rules and tell doctors what they can or cannot do. As I'll describe later, personalized health insurance will improve the delivery of care as the coverage personalized health insurance includes the most popular features of Obamacare that were consumer-oriented. So everything about Obamacare wasn't bad. There were some things that were happening and the trends were leading towards up to Obamacare were adopted into Obamacare and they ought to continue. Things like guaranteed issue of insurance. If you want insurance, you ought to be able to get insurance guaranteed. You ought to have coverage of pre-existing conditions regardless. Dependent children can be added to their and kept on their parents' policies at least up to age 26. That was kind of standard anyway. Most states had laws that allowed for that. Some laws even went to 28 or 30. But the idea is kids are staying in college longer. In fact, many colleges don't even have a uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior classifications. They call them year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Most many kids are going on to graduate school and postgraduate school. So there's nothing wrong with the dependent children staying on their parents' plans until they become independent and get insurance on their own. The unlimited lifetime maximum is something people have wanted for a long time. And Obamacare kind of forced what's called the reinsurance market to actually adopt to that. We didn't have it before because the insurance industry, while they could, didn't develop that product. But Obamacare forced them to do that. That ought not be reversed. And then there ought to be features 
of at least one option that everybody has for what I would call comprehensive major medical insurance that is not limited to certain diseases, not limited in what it would pay out, but basically pays out to, for an unlimited lifetime maximum, at least 80% of the cost, if not more. So personalized health insurance builds on the strengths of this country. It supports the efficiencies, the innovation, the choices, and a consumer focus in a free market with the consumer protections and oversight of government. So each has their role to create an efficient market. Choices, competition in the marketplace, consumer protections and oversight. And you can't have consumer protections and oversight of the government used against the consumer. Many times the consumer protections are really controlled by the industry and you really don't get good consumer protections. Sometimes it's controlled by so-called consumer advocates, which go overboard and destroy the free market options and development. So if we can't unite around consumer-oriented personalized health insurance, then surely we will head towards a one-size-fits-all government structure that fails to meet your and my unique needs. So I want to talk about, in the last sections, are this idea of how do we make this work? Let's talk about individual health insurance, because I say it's not complicated. It's actually easy as one, two, three, four. If you can count with me, one, two, three, four, you can understand the simplicity of health insurance. Now, sometimes things that are made simple, behind the scenes, there's some complexity that's invisible. It's kind of like a computer or a car. You don't know how all that stuff works, but somehow it does, because all the complexity is behind the scenes. And from the consumer standpoint, from the user standpoint, it's very simple. So if you're old enough, you may remember an old Wendy's hamburger commercial. It famously asked, where's the beef? Well, in this next segment, we're going to answer that question in regards to the individual health insurance. And then what we're going to do is after this, we're going to go on to talk about group insurance, specifically small group insurance, and how that's actually even easier. It's what I call easy as one, two, three. So individual insurance handling that is a little bit more complicated. One, two, three, four. The group insurance is going to be as easy as one, two, three. So hang with me as we start to delve into how easy this is. So how would personalized health insurance help you and your family? Well, first, you are unique with different needs during changing times of your life. Second, your family's medical concerns will change from you being married to when you have children to when you become empty nesters. Most importantly, at all stages of life, personalized health insurance will cover any and all pre-existing conditions. So I know you're anxious to see how all this will work. So let's get into the nitty-gritty in our final segment of this program. 
So if you're an individual applying for insurance, you are guaranteed acceptance for the policy of your choice in one of four ways. And I'll explain that after the next commercial. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. We'll take a break and join us for our final segment. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to Healthcare Insight, and I'm Ron Bachman. We're talking about health reform. And the whole basis of today and into next week and maybe the following week is discovering the secrets of health insurance reform. Now, most of us think it's too complicated to think about, but it really isn't. And the purpose of this program, I hope the purpose that you're listening is you want to see how easy you can both understand and how easy it would be for the country to implement something that works for everybody. So we're going to be able to talk about individual health insurance in this final segment today and next week we'll do group insurance and then we'll talk about some of the specific changes in the structure of getting insurance how to level the playing field between the consumer and the powerful insurance companies and how all that will work so we'll get into a little bit more of the the weeds next week if you will but let's continue to talk about individual insurance because while it's easy it has four steps rather than three steps that we'll see next week on group insurance. So let's talk about that if you're an individual applying for insurance, you are guaranteed acceptance for the policy of your choice in one of four ways. The first is that you apply to a participating insurance company. And I'll explain later why I use the term participating insurer. And you'll get a policy that is accepted with some level of underwriting, uh, some medical records that you might have to submit. And you'll be in a risk pool of people who are, for the most part, generally healthy with normal conditions of life. It's like buying a used car. There's going to be some problems, but there's an agreement between the parties to make a purchase. And that's what will happen between the individual making an application, and the insurance company. Now, if that doesn't work out, if there's no mutual agreement on what you're looking for, the price, or the insurance company just rejects you as it has done pre-Obamacare, and you really didn't have any choices, you now will have a choice under personalized health insurance. Because the second one is that that application can be appealed to a special group 
that I'll call the Health Review Authority. Now, that doesn't exist today, and we're going to get into the details of what that is and how it is and how it gets funded. That is not just another government bureaucracy that uh, makes it difficult for individuals. No, this is really going to help you. And if you, it will look at you and say, are you truly uninsurable? And if you're not truly uninsurable, you will get a certificate of guaranteed coverage that you can then take back to the participating insurer or any participating insurer, not necessarily the one that rejected you. And they will have to give you an insurance policy basically at standard rates, standard coverage, guaranteed issue, coverage of pre-existing conditions. Could be some slight changes if you've got some serious problems and you waited to get coverage, but you're generally healthy. Now, part of that understanding that you're not truly uninsurable For individual policies, there are some people who, while they might be insurable and qualify for a certificate of guaranteed coverage to go back to the insurance, participating insurance companies, many of them need some premium subsidy. Now, as individuals, they don't have an employer that's providing a subsidy for them. So with some recognition that everybody should be able to get insurance. And if you need some financial support, you could take that guarantee certificate and you'd be given access to a further subsidized health insurance exchange. I hate to say it, but kind of like Obamacare, but instead of Obamacare giving it up to four times the federal poverty level or, or over $100,000 of income for a family of four. This would be a subsidized insurance exchange for people who really need it, a much lower income so you can give a bigger subsidy to those who are truly in need. So that's one, two, three. The fourth is the acceptance into a subsidized impaired health support plan. This would be for the people who are truly uninsurable They have a medical condition that is so severe that we want to pull them out of the market into a subsidized and heavily supported impaired health support group that would give them the kind of support they need for their asthma, diabetes, congestive heart failure, cancer, paralyzed uh, individuals that need help. So this is going to be a group that pulls out the high risk, if you will, people into a special plan. And by pulling them out and giving them the help they need, we will give them the greatest chance of stabilizing their condition and even potential recovery. But what it means is that the remaining group that gets insurance policies from an insurer or through the exchange are much better risks and therefore can have much lower premiums. So it makes the products much more affordable to individuals and ultimately small groups that we'll see next week. So it's easy as one, two, three, four. It's easily communicated. You get insurance from an insurer. You get a guaranteed certificate of coverage. If you need some premium subsidy, you can take that certificate of guaranteed coverage and join a subsidized insurance exchange, or four, you get into the impaired health support group. 
No one is mandated to buy this insurance against their will, and we'll show you how that can actually work. An idea that many think, well, you just can't do that. No, there is. Again, another secret to health insurance reform. You can make things happen if you say, yes, it will work if we do this, as opposed to what you hear now from so many. No, you can't do that because. So we want to turn a lot of people into yes-if thinkers on these ideas. 100% of Americans will be able to purchase their choice of affordable health plans. And you'll get more choices because this whole program is going to create a much more viable marketplace. We'll have more competition, more insurance companies offering choices that are being asked for by consumers, much more responsive to consumer interests and needs. So if you want health insurance, you'll get health insurance under one of these four options. It's hard to believe, I know. It's easy to be skeptical. But let's continue on and discover how this actually works with a little bit more detail. So let's consider the process of buying an individual policy. So which option would apply to you and your family? Think about that. Or consider a neighbor's situation. Now think of somebody who has hypertension, congestive heart failure, or paralysis. See if they could get coverage under this. Now, a picture's worth a thousand words, and I wish I could put up a picture of how all this works. So I'll just give a brief description, then I'll go into more words um, about it. Think of a chart where the application for individual insurance is at the top. And let's just take for argument's sake that you apply to three different insurance companies, A, B, and C. And they review your medical records, your health history, your family history. And they actually make different decisions. But statistics show us from pre-Obamacare studies that 88 to 89% of people are actually accepted for coverage. And that's that category number one. Most people are accepted when they apply for insurance. But each individual insurance company, A, B, and C, might reject at different lives. Some might accept some lives that other companies might reject. So if you apply to all three, you might be rejected by two at one. So we're going to take those rejected lives, and we're going to send them to the Health Review Authority for review. At no cost to the individual. I'll show you how the Health Review Authority is funded later on. But the Health Review Authority can make a decision. One, that you really are insurable and they'll give you a certificate of guaranteed coverage, which you take back to any of those participating companies, A, B, and C, or others, if if there are others. And they have to give you insurance at a guaranteed rate, their standard rate. And about another 8 or 9% get coverage that way. So you're almost fully covered. Now, Of that group, some may need a subsidy because, again, this is individual policies without a group plan to help subsidize it. So if the Health Review Authority believes that you need some subsidies, then you get access to a state exchange with some federal subsidies for low-income insurables. That's number three. Number four is that about 2 or 3% of the population is truly uninsurable and they need to be put into the fourth category. So the 2 or 3% are the high-cost, high-risk, 
that we can really help and focus attention on. In the past, those people have been just sort of shunted aside, giving them poor insurance policies, high cost, and basically telling them to go uninsured. And then they show up in the emergency room and generate costs for the whole system. So we're going to take care of those. That's the idea of helping the sickest among us. So a little bit more detail. When an individual applies and makes application to one or more insurance companies, 88 to 89% are insured with mutually accepted policies and premiums. In other words, you get what you want after a health review or an underwriting select risk selection, as the insurance companies like to call it. Number two, under personalized health insurance, anyone rejected for insurance can have their application reviewed by this new organization, which I'll give more detail to next week, called the Health Review Authority. If the rejection is overruled for non-financial reasons, the applicant will be granted a certificate of guaranteed coverage, and that certificate must be honored by a participating insurer. So 8 or 9% of the original applicants will get insurance under that option. Third, if the Health Review Authority determines that the applicant requires financial assistance, they will be referred to a subsidized state insurance exchange. This option guarantees affordable coverage for those who are unhealthy but in need of financial assistance. And then finally, if the Health Review Authority determines the applicant is uninsurable, they will be referred to a subsidized impaired health support plan. And 2 or 3% of original applicants will get insurance under number four. So personalized health insurance is designed to meet your needs and circumstances. The process assures that regardless of your current health condition and regardless of your financial situation, anybody wanting individual health insurance policy is guaranteed one, even if there are serious existing health conditions or financial needs. Now, that's pretty easy. One, two, three, four. Now, I know that covers only about 5%, but it's a critical 5% of individuals out there who don't have health insurance options otherwise. Their employer doesn't offer it, or they're self-employed. I want to do this small piece first, lay down the concept. Next week, we will talk about the vast majority of Americans that are covered under their employer group health insurance. And if we do the individual that I just described right, it will actually make the small group more affordable and help everybody get insurance at lower rates by segmenting risk and giving the most help to the people who need the most help. So come back next week. We'll complete the idea and get into the issues again, furthering the ideas and understanding of the secrets of health insurance reform. I'm Ron Bachman signing off this week from America's Web Radio. Come back and join us next week, and we'll have some fun talking about these ideas. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.